everybody? Little kids video, get your Uncrustables out, eat it. Um, sometimes though, and not to be overly funny, but, but sometimes if you're like me, I just need like a little snapshot and something simple that I can keep referencing. And this video is a summary of a series that we started last week called Identity, which is actually what we're trying to accomplish, which is outside of the labels that we have or the roles that we play, uh, who are we actually at the core of us and how do we know who we are? And in the course of this series, our, our goal is to kind of take some of the mystery away for identity and take some of maybe the things that we've been told or we've heard or we've experienced and actually take a look at what does the Bible say about who we are and then how does who we are actually impact the life that we live and the decisions that we make and the attitudes that we have. And what you'll find is, is how we define us and who we are. Our identity is actually connected to so many different aspects of life. And so we're going to be spending quite a few weeks looking at what the Bible says. And if you missed any of last week, I launched the series talking about how identity is rooted in a new view of who you are. And you have to decide when you become a Christian, you decide that you are going to live life a new way. And in the Bible, we're actually put in a different category and we're described as an elect exile, somebody who's chosen by God to live, not just with this world in mind, but to live with this idea that we, we serve God and, and we're connected to him and his kingdom. And that actually impacts the kind of life that we live. And I ended last week talking about a new identity in Christ for all those who follow him is something that you, you actually have to keep in focus. You have to keep it before you. And so this morning I want to take how keeping that in focus, the new identity, how that actually impacts direction for, for our life. And we're going to kind of dig in further to the book of first Peter in the new Testament. And the author is Peter and he's describing really what it means to be a Christian. And he's kind of painting this, this picture of this identity that you have and how you have to keep coming back to it. And you have to keep coming back to it. And you have to keep coming back to it because it's so easy to get sidetracked. It's so easy on the inside with the thoughts that we have, with the things that we do, the things that people tell us. It's the static. It's, it's, it's just it gets confusing and, and muddled. And so that's what we're going to keep doing. We're going to keep going back to the word of God to gain more clarity. And that's what you find the Christian life is about. You walk with God. He gives you this new identity and then you have to keep coming back to him for him to keep leading you. And that, that's really what the Christian life is all about. So if you're not yet a follower of Christ and you're exploring Christianity, I hope this will kind of further give you a picture of what a Christian is, who they are and the impact of their life. If you are a Christian, I hope that this will remind you of that. And in that, that will give you this resolve in your innermost being, this sense of I am who God has created me to be. I need to continue to align with him and his purposes. So wherever you are, I hope that today will give you just a sense of moving forward, a sense of, of hope, a sense of uh, stability. And so I want to start by talking about how a new identity gives us a new destiny. I thought that was like so epic sounding. Like it's like a movie trailer in a world where. But that's true. 
When you decide to follow Jesus Christ and he becomes your boss and leads you, that's when the new identity starts. And that new identity connects you to a brand new destiny. This idea of a new future, a new story, a new outlook on who you are. And that, that's very powerful. And so I want to talk about how this new destiny actually looks in real life. And so I'm going to kind of read through about six verses uh, in First Peter this morning, kind of break them down by each major part. And so you can follow up here on the screen. Uh, if you've never read the Bible, uh, sometimes there's big words and there's phrases and long sentences and they're connected to thoughts. And so it can be overwhelming. And so our, our role at Church in the Valley is we want to give you exposure to the Word of God. And give you a sense of what does that mean for your life? It's more than knowledge. It's actually supposed to be lived out. And so I want to do that this morning. It's kind of just unpack it and apply that to what that means for, for your life. Okay. And then I'll kind of put the, the pieces together. So let's read a chunk and then I'll, I'll break it down. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be, to be revealed in the last time. Do I have six up there or is that the next? I think that might be the next section. So here's, here's this, this first chunk. And again, there's, there's lots of word. But the first major sections are, are two parts to these first few verses. The new destiny is linked first and foremost to the fact that we are born again to God's family. Okay. The new identity that we have connected to the new destiny is linked to the fact that we are born again into God's family. Peter is a disciple of Jesus. That means he was the early follower. He saw Jesus. He knew Jesus. He saw his teachings and he actually saw Jesus talk about this idea of being born again. Jesus explained this to a man named Nicodemus who wanted to know how to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, well, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus thinking, well, I'm born. How, how does that happen? And what Jesus is speaking of is not a physical birth, but a, a spiritual birth. And Jesus was cutting to this premise of when you have sinned, which all of us have done according to the scriptures, we've sinned and gone our own way. We are spiritually dead. We're cut off. From God's family. We're like spiritual orphans. Jesus came to pay the price for our sin. He died on the cross for our sin, for our rebellion, and he rose again. And by him rising again, he came back to life and this new life that he had, he now gives to us for all who choose to follow him. So what Peter is saying is your new destiny is rooted in the fact that you were once dead, spiritually cut off. A sinner, rebellious, but you've been given new life and you can be born again. And so it's kind of linked to this, this picture that Jesus was talking about. You can be born again if you decide to follow Jesus Christ. Now, being born again for the Christian means that that's where you decide you're going to follow Jesus and trust him with your life. If you've ever wondered what happens? Like, when are you not a Christian? And then when do you become a Christian? Well, that happens when you do two major things. You become a Christian when you repent. Okay. Another kind of churchy word that's found in the scriptures, but repent means to change roads. 
means you go a different way. In the driving sense, it means that you you do like a U-turn. And so for those of you who are deciding whether or not to become a Christian, the first step is this idea like admitting I'm not going the right way. I'm going the wrong way. And to repent means I need to change directions. And when you decide that you're going the wrong way, which takes humility, and then you decide that God has the right way, then then you choose to to turn on his way and his road. And he, he leads you. That's repentance. And then the second, once you repent and you change roads, is you believe. Now, belief in the English language, we believe in lots of things. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Remember that song? Right? You guys were like, whoa, he's getting weird. No, it's, you know, we have believe like if you only believe or if you dream and you believe you can achieve like and that's like embedded in culture, like just believe. But we don't really know what that means. Like think long and hard about something. Hope. Wish. Well, belief in the scripture is actually to place confidence Like you would a foundation, like you're not going to step on ice with cracks. There's no confidence you have. You do not believe it will support you. For those of you that decide to follow Christ, you change the road, you repent, and then you believe. I have confidence that God's way is the best way for me. I have confidence that God is who he says he is. I have confidence that Jesus came to die for my sin. And I have confidence that he rose again and was not conquered by death. That's what it means to believe. And so Peter is saying, you have a new destiny because you have the opportunity to be born again. And that new birth has certain implications. And I just want to briefly just name a few. Because so many times as Christians, for those of you that are Christians, you know this is true. Like you've been given new life. You've been given a fresh start. But sometimes I know for me, I fail to think, what are the implications of that? And we don't go around saying to people, for the most part, I've been born again. Because we're that person if we do that. Like there's a stigma to that. Because who talks like that? But being born again is the new identity that we have. And so it is real. And so here are a few things I thought of. If you're born again and you follow Jesus and you've been given new life, then that means that you can change. I think everybody in the world, a part of them, wants to change. We want to improve We get frustrated when we get stuck with the same problems in life. We get frustrated when relationships don't go as we thought. We get frustrated when we fight with people. We get frustrated when we fail, right? There's a reason that there's billions of dollars invested in self-improvement. That's not a Christian concept. It's a human concept. We like to improve. We like to change. That's part of how God has wired us. But what happens is outside of a relationship with Jesus, we actually can't really change. But when you have the new birth and you're born again, you you can. Because you've been given a new life and now you tap into God and his resources. I'm going to come back to that. So we can change. The second is, I talked about this last week. You're, you're not a spiritual orphan anymore. It means you, you actually are a part of the family of God. God is your father. Now, all of us, depending on who our father was, our picture of God can be skewed by that. 
positively or negatively. If you didn't have a father or your father was bad father figure, the thought of God, the father is it actually can kind of just mess us up inside. If you had a good father and he loved you and he expressed that and he exampled for you, then your picture of God is influenced by that as well. What the scriptures does again and again is it talks about being a born again, has this implication that now you have a new father, it's a spiritual father. And he will never break his promises to you. And he'll always give himself to you. No matter your experience with your own father, when you're born again, God the Father spiritually, he, he's now your daddy. So there's, there's hope there. You have somebody to lead you. You have somebody to sacrifice as a father is supposed to. This is part of the new de- destiny. We have change that we can be experienced. We have a new family that we're a part of. God as our father. And here's another implication. The older you get physically, the less that you can do. Can I get an amen? Right? You notice the people who spoke up right then. All you young people are like, that's not true. But I'm falling into that latter category more and more. You know, if I walk a long time, the next day I wake up and I'm a little sore. The older you get, the less your body can function. So there's a sense in like, as you get older, your, your physical worth, sometimes it, it, it goes down. You know, so in, in the world, there's these different views of elderly. How much value do they have? How much can they contribute? What you find spiritually, if you're born again, the new life you now have is not measured by your physical age or your stature. In fact, when you're born again into God's family, the more mature you are and the more you age spiritually, the more you have to offer. There's a lot of comfort there. The more you walk with God, the more you have experience with him, the more wise you become, the more of a help that you are to others, the more God blesses you. So it's actually the opposite. You're part of a new family and actually gives you more worth. Because over time, as you mature, God uses you more and more. And the last thing the implication has of this new birth, being born again into God's family, is that it's not dependent upon us. You being born again has nothing to do with you, just like you being born has nothing to do with you. You didn't will that. You weren't here and then you were. And God, in the same way, is the one who is in complete control of our spiritual rebirth. Now, we do repent and we do believe. But our new life is dependent on him. So that actually gives a lot of hope as well, because it takes me off of having to perform. It takes me off about having to prove my own worth. Okay, so that's part of this new destiny. We're born again into God's family. You guys follow me so far? Okay. Second part of this new destiny is that we actually are a part of this new family with this new inheritance. And it's an inheritance that's indestructible. Okay. And Peter goes on to describe this. And I read this earlier, but it's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. Imagine you were going to be given an inheritance 10 years from now. 
millions and millions of dollars where you wouldn't have another worry financially. In fact, your kids might not have another worry. In fact, their kids might not, depending on how the spending goes. This sentence, someone is going to give you an inheritance in 10 years that's going to take care of everything. Would that impact your life right now? It would for me. Like, can I charge something and they allow me just the interest free for 10 years? Anyone else think that? Like, wouldn't it just kind of change your view of life and the pressures? If you knew everything was going to be okay in 10 years, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. What Peter is saying is when you're born into a new family and you're given this new destiny, eternity is now available to you. And God himself through his spirit lives in you. and You're now connected to the kingdom and the eternity of God. And it's an inheritance that God himself is guarding. What Peter's talking about is this confidence. Just like if somebody was going to say in 10 years, everything's going to be taken care of. You don't have to worry about it. What Peter is saying is when this life wraps up, you will have no more worry. You will have no more concern. God is going to take care of you. And not only that, he's taking care of you right now. And so he's speaking of this confidence that we have for all who follow Christ. I I kind of reason it to my kids when they receive money. It's like one of the best things just I get to witness. Recently we had Christmas and the kids get like, you know, $10 or maybe they get $50 in their face when they get like a $50 check. It's like one of the coolest things. You ever seen kids that have like money? It's an amazing thing. My kids just have this like resolve that whatever expenses come, they, they can pay for it. My youngest is six and I'm like, I'm going to get gas. And he's kind of like, I got it, dad. I'm thinking, son, you have $10. This is going to cost 180 to fill up this van. That was a few summers ago, but it still hurts. Okay. But he, he doesn't have kind of this, this sense of how much his money goes, but it's this confidence of like, I got that. We need groceries. I got it. And I'm thinking you can buy a box of goldfish crackers. We'll just be eating it. Thanks. As a family, you know, but, but that's he's just confidence. He has this money. Like it's this in here. It feels like it's not going to run out. And that's what Peter is saying is you need to live your life knowing that God is going to take care of you and that this life is not the end. If you're born again into a spiritual family that impacts here and now, and it also connects you to eternity. And we now view our current circumstances, our current life, our current relationships through the lens of forever. It changes it. This isn't it. This is just the mere introduction to what life with God will be like in eternity. An inheritance that's guarded by God. It's not volatile by any market. Nobody can steal it. So our identity, our identity is secure. Our destiny is secure. So this is what Peter is is wanting us to see. So again, he's, he's saying like Christ followers, people who have decided to give your life to follow him. Do not forget who you are. You are born again and you've been given a new inheritance. 
Live like it. Live like it. And so he's just encouraging us. Live as if this is real. Okay, so the new birth, it brings lasting hope. I can change. It's not dependent on me. The new inheritance, it brings stability and security. What I face, I'm going to be able to overcome. Why? Because God has given this to me. I did not earn it. And God is guarding it. I don't have to protect it myself. Because when we earn things ourselves or we have to protect ourselves, we tend to control. We tend to try to do it our own way and we fail. So Peter's saying there's, there's pressure that is released when you decide to follow Jesus. When you look at the world around you, for those that don't know Christ, they're longing for hope and they're longing for security. And without Jesus, they are looking for it in all different places. And Peter's saying is, Christian, you have it. You have it. Live like it. So this new identity brings us a new destiny. And then Peter goes on and he describes how this new destiny actually brings new strength to life. And this is where Peter gets a little bit real. So he wants you to kind of be excited about this new birth. I've been born again. I can change. I don't have to stay the same. And you know what? I have security. God's going to take care of me. My inheritance. He's given. Nobody can take it. So in the Bible, a lot of times when you're, you're filled with this, like, this is awesome. Wait for it. Because there's a reason that we're filled with hope. And there's a reason that we're filled with strength. And it's so we can live life a certain way. And he goes on to describe what this new strength is needed for. And you find this in verse six through nine. In this you rejoice. So what do you rejoice in? The new birth and the new inheritance. That's something to rejoice about. Now we hear that in church and we're just kind of like, eh, rejoice. The, the sense of the word is rejoice. Like when is the time when we see people rejoicing? When they receive the best news possible. When sports team they love win. I mean, have you been in a sporting event when the winning team and the home court and just rejoicing? Christians, we don't, we don't know. It's like rejoice. Yeah, God's got me covered. We're pretty like, you know, mellow when it comes to rejoicing. But if I asked you right now, rejoice in this truth. And I said, do that. All of you would just look at me like, no, we don't do that. But he's saying like in this rejoice. This is the best news. You can change. God's going to take care of you in this rejoice. And then he goes on why that's important. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Speaking of Jesus, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. <gasps> if you just read that with like an extra breath, it's packed full of meaning. But Peter is saying is this new destiny you have, it's given you this new resolve in life. And why do you need a new resolve? Because of what you will face. Many times people 
think that, well, if I become a Christian, then like my life, it's just going to become more simple. Let me, hear, let me just tell you, like, if you become a Christian, your life actually doesn't become more simple. In many ways, it becomes more complicated because you actually need to now walk with God and do the right thing. Sometimes it's easier to just do the wrong thing. Do what feels right. What if what feels right isn't right? That's when it gets hard. So the Christian life is not a detour to maneuver around hard things. What Peter's saying is the Christian life now gives you the resolve to handle the hard things. That's a really different distinction. Okay. And so he's saying rejoice in the truth that you've been born again. Rejoice in the truth that you have an inheritance. And then it shifts. Though, if you go back to verse 6, though now for a little while. The little while is speaking really of life on this earth. That is actually a little while in view of eternity. And then he describes in some words the difficulties that we face. Uh, some words this, grief, trials, fire, testing. He wants us to get the sense. But what he's saying is you can face hard things. You can face trials with hope. And this is where the new birth And the new inheritance translates into action. That's the hope. When we face difficult things, we know that we can change. When we face difficult things, we know that God can use it to change us. When we face difficult things and we fail, we know that our worth isn't based on our own effort. It's based on our new identity. We're a child of God. And God loves us. So all these griefs that we face and trials that we face, God actually uses to make the new identity in us real. And I've seen this again and again in my own life. If I had it my way, I just want to detour around all the hard things. But God says, follow me. I'm going to take you through some things. The reason this is important is because there's a a key distinction of the Christian life. And this is really helpful because in our world right now, your identity is self-defined, self-reliant. We're the center of who we are. That makes sense, right? Well, it's me. Of course I can define me. The problem that we have, though, is people realize that their own effort only gets them so far. And the hope I've been talking about, you can't manufacture And the security I'm talking about, if it's linked to anything in this world, like your finances, your job, your relationship, all those can fade. So what Peter's describing is there's a new hope that you can have because you actually change. And so there's a shift that happens when you become a Christian. This is part of the new destiny and part of the new strength. You go from this, you show that self-made, I am strong. That's like, I kind of like that statement. Self, I am strong. I can do it. And this is where we all are without God. I'm self-made, self-defined, self-reliant. I am who I am. And we actually rejoice in that. To follow Christ actually means you, you flip that. And this is where there is a cost to following Jesus. Jesus. 
Because you, you shift from the self-made, I am strong, to God-made, He is strong. That's the shift in identity. The new destiny. And the new strength. If I'm God-made, then I can be born again. And if I'm God-made, then He can be strong. And how do we know His strength? We know his strength in the difficult things. See, trials, grief, pain, it has a way of just kind of squeezing us. And when you squeeze a sponge, what comes out? The liquid. When we face hard things and we're squeezed, what comes out? Who we are. Our self, our reliance. So what God does is he allows us to go through these things and we just feel the pressure. We feel the pressure and we feel the pressure. And we finally get to the point like, I, I can't do it, God. I can't do it. I need your help. And right then you experience this new identity. I'm not self-made and I'm not strong. But I'm God-made and he is. That's a very important distinction. I've seen this in the life of somebody close to me, my granary. I think I have a picture of her. Right there. This is from a couple years ago. Our family. My grandma is now 93 years old. And she's been walking with God for a really long time. By the world standards, if she went to apply for a job, I don't know if her like resume would be on the top because of her age and her mobility and what she'd bring to a company. But in the kingdom of God, I think it's a lot higher. And what I've seen in her own life is trials from just the aging process. You know, when you get to live that age, you see most of the people that you know and you've loved, your peers die. And you, you begin to kind of look ahead of you and there's no one ahead of you anymore. Everyone is behind you. And she's walked with God a really long time. And she has done this with... Not a lot of money, very small place to live. By the world's standards, she wouldn't be the success story. But by God's standards, she has faced life in a way that pleases him. And I thought of her related to what Peter's describing of this, though for a little while. She's, my, my grandma's hearing is deteriorating. She can't really hear much anymore. And the kind of level of relationship she has is really affected by it. If you could imagine not being able to hear anybody that talks to you or going to a public place like this in church and not hearing because of all the background noise. So the quality of her relationships and what she brings into a conversation is limited, which speaks to kind of her value. And, and she's really struggled and battled this. But one of the most beautiful pictures I see in my grandma, she has two plastic hips, so she can't walk that great. And so she just kind of scoots. And what she always does, she's always humming and singing like, to the Lord. And she does this unashamed. And she has this joy on her face. And as I look at my grandma, I, this is like what Peter is saying. You are born again into an inheritance that no one can take. And you can face the hard things with a joy. 
Because you can know God. And He will know you. And as I see her, it's an example for me of the life that we live where we actually have a new hope and a new stability and a new security and this new strength because of what Jesus has done for us. And this is a major shift in life. If you want to change your identity, you have to be willing to realize that you're self-made, I am strong. You have to blow that up. It will not get you to the life that God wants. And Peter's describing, this is who you are. This is who you are. And because this is who you are, this is what you can face. If you're a Christ follower, you can face anything. Because God's with you. And he will lead you forward. I don't know about you, but isn't that what everybody wants? To not be alone? To have hope? And to have stability? Peter's saying is, if you follow Christ, you have what people long for. There's a sense in which let them see it. Let them see this in you. That's why he's using this language of the kind of person that you can become. And that leads to just the last part of this passage. Where you can experience joy like never before. And Peter uses these words, this inexpressible joy. Now, I've talked about rejoicing and how sometimes we don't have a sense of what does it mean to rejoice in a godly way? Woohoo! What does inexpressible joy mean? I don't know. It's inexpressible. It's almost that there's no words to describe the gift that you've been given, the resolve that you have. And Peter is saying, this is the Christian life. There is no life like the Christian life. As I read this, like I, I get so like humbled by my own outlook at times. Because I get frustrated easily. And what, what's happening when I'm frustrated and when I'm experiencing problems, it's, it's just this, I'm having an identity crisis. I want to be self-made and I want to be strong. And God's saying is there's no hope in that. There's no security in that. There's no strength in that. I know God, but I can do it. Alex, my son, you cannot. Let me try. Just let me try. Alex, you can't. And then, God, you're right. I blew it. I can't do it. I'm frustrated. I did it again. But you know what God says? I, I told you so, but all right. Let's keep going, son. Okay, dad. You see, this is relational part of this identity. This is how it looks. And it really is linked to the opportunity to know Jesus personally. So all this links back to the relationship. And you see that in the past. If you can go back to eight and nine on the screen there. If you could put the whole both verses up there. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He's speaking of this opportunity to know God. You can't see Jesus. But you still have a relationship with him. 
And so Peter is saying is you, you get this joy as you continue to walk with Jesus. And so it goes back to where I started. If you don't yet know Jesus, the invitation is always open. You can be born again. You can experience the new inheritance. You can be given new strength. You have new hope. But you have to decide to repent and go God's way. And you have to believe and place your life, the confidence that his new way, the new road that you walk on is the right way. That's what faith is. I'm going to go off my foundation, self-made. I'm strong to his foundation. I'm made by him. I can be strong in him. If you'd like more information on that, there's a place on your connection card on the, the back side. There's a box. So send me more info about beginning a relationship with Jesus. When you decide to repent and when you decide to believe, to place your confidence in him, you do, you do that one time you become a Christian. And you've moved from death to life. And then each day, you don't have to kind of redo that, but each day you have to decide, God, keep me on your path. Allow me to keep putting my confidence in you. And so if you've never done that, you can't like look back and see that you've made that shift. Then you can check that box and we'll send you some things and we'll follow up with you. We'd love for you to figure out what it means for you to take that step to be born again today. For the rest of you, if you are a Christian, I think there's something to be said, what Peter's referring to here about the hope, the love and the joy that we should have. It's not by accident he describes the Christian faith with rejoicing or with joy. There's a sense in which this is the best life possible. And it should change the way that we live. Uh, recently, I've, I've been really trying to pray the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6. And I just want to walk through that because I think this is part of what Peter is, is referring to. And I'm just going to have three implications when I, when I close. But here, here's kind of a, the Lord's Prayer. This is like in my own words. Um, it's not verbatim the verses, but the Lord's Prayer, our, our Father in heaven. So in my new identity is I need to talk to God on a regular basis and, and recognize who he is. He's, he's my Father in heaven. That's the new spiritual birth. And then hallowed be your name. It's just you are worthy. Like there's no God like you. All the gods are lowercase g. God of the Bible is uppercase G. He is God. Everything is created by him. Hallowed be your name. There's no one like you. And then your kingdom come, your will be done. This is the sense of the life that you want me to live here and now needs to represent the inheritance that you've been given. You've been, you've given me this inheritance. You've been giving me this, this piece of forever eternity. So the strength, the security, the stability I can experience now. And it's his will on earth as it is in heaven. So let me live that here. And now your kingdom come, your will be done. Provide for what I need. This is give us this daily bread, provide for what I need. Forgive me of my sins and then Lord, help me to forgive others and clean up the messes I make and then deliver me from temptation and the evil one. And so if, if you are feeling apathetic towards walking with Jesus, which we can, we just like, 
if we're really honest, it just doesn't really impact us right now. If you're feeling worn out, frustrated with God, maybe cut off from God, isolated. This prayer has a way of it just brings me back to center my identity, who I am. And so I encourage you, it's found in Matthew 6, you can read it, the instructions on how to pray. But I think there's some implications for what that means for the spiritual life. So if you're a Christ follower, the way that you grow spiritually in this new birth is, is you have to tap into the resources that God's given you. And those resources are actually kind of alluded to in the, in the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to break this down in three main ways. The first one is your will be done. Okay. When you follow Christ, and this is to all who follow Christ, his will being done should be crucial to your life every day. Not just on a Sunday, not just when you think about it. But if you're like me, I don't know what God's will is. I just hope I think about it sometimes. What the scripture is saying is that if your will be done, the only way you know what God's will is for your life is you have to spend time reading the word of God, reading the scripture. That's why it's given to us. And so if there's a sense in which this joy and this rejoicing is absent. Sometimes in my own life, it goes back to the fact that I'm not reading the Bible. I'm not being filled with the will of God. The will of God is actually what gives us great joy. Because we remember he's leading us. And then praying. It's another way that the will be done. We, we communicate with God. And if you're not sure how to pray, there's many people here within Church of I that we could help you. Just learn how to pray. But you could pray that Lord's Prayer back. What I just did. So some of it is if you're just feeling distant. See, is, is it back to your will being done? Maybe it's your prayer life. Maybe it's the scriptures. The second is your kingdom come. I think there's a certain part of identity that we're not fully realized until we share with other people. When I keep talking about hope, stability, security, strength, I do that because that is what people long for. And if you're feeling like that just doesn't seem true of your life, some of the time it goes back to when was the last time you shared that with somebody else? And you took a risk. And you said, I am a different person than who I used to be. And here is why. When you share your new identity, it actually becomes more clearer to you. It's like teaching somebody something and you learn more. That's what Peter's saying is, this is who you are. Let people see it. And so his kingdom being come happens so many times as we share our faith. And the last, deliver me. Deliver me from temptation and, and from the evil one. There's a part of which God wants to draw, or not God, sorry. The enemy wants to dry you up spiritually by cutting you off from people. He wants to isolate you. That's what predators do. They isolate you from the pack. So part of what the enemy wants to do with you is he wants to cut you off from community. He wants to cut you off from people in your life. So one of the ways that you battle that, the deliverance that God brings to you, is you share what's going on with others. That's why we have community. You share the struggles that you're having. You share the discouragements that you're having. And it takes a risk again. 
But if you want these spiritual resources to grow in your life, for God to continue to change you from the inside out, you can't disconnect from others. So there might be some decisions that you're facing, some sin that you're dealing with, just some struggles all around. Share that with some people. And if you don't have anyone, I'm going to be standing up here at the end of the service. I would love to talk to you and pray for you. So I encourage you, if you feel like the joy is lacking, you're not sure what to rejoice about, maybe go to those, those three things and see, see, what, see what God says. Those are the next steps, actually, for today. I'm going to wrap up so I'm not too over time. But if you pull out your connection card, finish filling that out, and we're going to receive our offering. And you can drop the completed connection card in there with the next step that you want to take. And I just want to thank all of you who contribute and give to Church in the Valley. We, we're able to do what we do because people give their tithes, 10% of what they make, and their offering to advance God's mission here. And so thank you for that as well. And next week, we're going to continue talking about identity. I hope you guys can come back. I'm going to pray. We're going to receive our offering. The band's going to come back up and lead us in another song. Let's pray together. Father, I I ask that you'll allow us to be people of joy, not manufactured and not fake, but people who are filled with an inexpressible joy that comes from knowing you personally. God, I pray for anyone here that has not yet decided to follow you. God, will you help them to see that their repentance, them turning and changing roads and placing their confidence in you is the best decision that they could ever make. Holy Spirit, will you soften their heart? And God, for those of us here that have lost the joy, God, help us to pinpoint maybe where our connection to you has been lacking. Maybe where the resources have been kind of spilling out. God, we ask that we'll just keep before us who we are in you and that that will really influence the people that we are on a daily basis. So speak to us, Lord. Show us our own hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.